Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. We're excited to have you here to our service on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, there's people continuing to come in, so uh, just make room for them. We're, we're real thrilled. Uh, Memorial Day is tomorrow, and if you don't have anything going on tomorrow, here in Centerville, we have a Memorial Day parade, and Pastor Don will be uh, presenting the uh, presentation of the service at the cemetery, and you can follow all of them right to the cemetery. So he'll be starting at, at 10 o'clock. So uh, make sure you come out and show your support to the community. It's a great time. Uh, also, uh, Pastor Don and Lisa are up in uh, FFM uh, Paw Paw, and he's presenting the, the message up there. I'll be uh, preaching today down here. So uh, you still have time to leave if you want, and nobody will notice. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. We'll stick it out. All right, that's good. I think it will make it worth your time. Um, Justin uh, Gentz has a uh, Bible memory this morning, so we'll uh, turn it over to him. We have a lot of our elders are out uh, this morning, but don't worry, we have it covered. All right, good morning. We have two Bible Memory Awards this morning. Uh, we have Lauren Perez, who's uh, memorized 173 verses. She gets her pizza party. Oh, there you go. And then we have my son, Josh Gent Joshua Gentz. Uh, I doubt he's going to come up here. But he's memorized 266 verses and got a, gets a shirt of his color, or of choice. So thank you for that. Uh, we had a great day moving the playground yesterday. Just want to say thank you to everyone who showed up and helped. Uh, tremendous amount of work got done. We were here till almost 5:30 last night, but got it all moved. So it was really great. So thank you to everybody who helped with that. Fantastic. Got to move that playground equipment so we have ready uh, room for building. So we're going to be doing that not too far in the future. Uh, we have a, a VBS uh, video that we want to show you. Before VBS, I was a chef at a fancy restaurant just down the street. Retired. I'm a mom to two beautiful girls and a dance coach. Before VBS, I taught middle school gym. I lead a small group for teenagers. Who would have known that it would all lead to this? <laughs> oh yeah. I let my granddaughters dress me up, but that's why I was so ready to get dressed up for the skits. I get to create masterful, theme-inspired dishes for snack time. Outdoor activities, they're my jam. That's why I love leading games. I love to dance. I dance at the coffee shop. I even dance when I'm watering my plants. That's why I jump at this opportunity. High fives are essential for crew leaders. That's why I've been working hard on the High Fiverator 2.0. The reward, it's the kids, hands down. They inspire me. The kids' bright, shining faces. When the kids are happy, I'm happy. Making sure they have fun makes it all worthwhile. You have what it takes. You have what it takes. You have what it takes. Will you step up?
fantastic. Last week in July is when we do our VBS, and we're getting the information out. Today is uh, launching this officially, so if you would like to sign up, be a part of our volunteer team, uh, there you can get on our church app, and you can, or our website, or you can scan one of the QR codes on the, the posters that are outside, the flyers that are out there, and you can sign up. You have to do that if you want to be on the, the team. We have a great team. We had a lot of people. What did we have, 180? Two, 210 volunteers last year. It takes a lot of uh, people to work. If you've never been a part of our team, you should come, sign up, and uh, you'll get a free shirt out of the deal. You'll get some free food. There's a lot of good benefits to it. Also, we would like our church to sign up your kids. We have right now over 40 kids signed up and over 40 volunteers, so we appreciate your efforts. Uh, we're just going to make a, a good run for it, and uh, we're excited. Uh, uh, I just wanted to say we have a lot of new people this year, and if you haven't been a part of our VBS in the past, it's pretty much a whole church activity. Some people can't be here. They give money towards the snacks. All of those things will be coming later on, but we're going to need... Um, as many as you that can be crew leaders and help with the stations. And if you're not sure what all of that means, please come and talk to Doug or I, and we'll have more videos and information coming out. But we just wanted to put a bug in your ear now. It seems early, but it's really not when you're dealing with over 300 children getting registered. So we try and hit the church first so we can get that done. And then we go to the community with a big push and then uh, cover bridge days, we have a big parade and we hand out candy to the community and we let them know what's going on. So they start becoming a part of it also and we'll put our signs up. So if you have any questions, please come and ask us. We have over 300 kids that uh, typically uh, participate in VBS. It's a great outreach into our community. We do have background checks that we do, uh, so just so you're aware of it, in case you are uh, in the habit of uh, kidnapping kids or axe murder or anything like that. We just want to kind of know that ahead of time. So um, why don't you stand to your feet as we pray? I, I'm just kidding, of course. But I'm not. Uh, let's pray. Father, we're thankful for this day that we can come today. Uh, Lord, it's Pentecost Sunday, and we, we know that this was the day that you poured out your spirit upon the disciples and, and the church was born. And so we thank you, Lord, that you're, pour, oh, you're pouring out your spirit even now upon us at this service. And we pray, God, for your mighty outpouring of your spirit, not only upon us, but this, uh, upon this planet, to draw people to you like a moth to a flame. And so today we give you this service and we rejoice in it, in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. So thankful for you guys to be here on the holiday weekend. And, and for those watching live stream, we thank you for tuning in over the internet. You may recognize we have a couple new faces up here. So I wanted to give a shout out to our our master drummer on the drums this morning, Mr. Evan Eckhart. He's been working really hard. I'm proud of him. He's going to do the first song with us. And have my son Thaddeus, our son, excuse me, Christy's over here. Our son Thad on the keys. And we have a special guest, Danielle from Rochester, New York. We've got people coming from all over. And last but not least, we have a, a certain young lady that came 
from Florida back to be with us, Miss Brenda. So we're excited. You know, God, he brings together the right people at the right time. And because you're here, that means you are the right person at this right time to be a part of what God is doing in this church. So we don't want to minimize anyone here. So as we worship today, let's, let's just remember why we're here. Remember Memorial Day weekend, the sacrifices that have been made by so many, right? Amen. And we're going to give glory to God today. Let's, let's hit off that. The battle belongs to the Lord. Amen. Come on, put your hands together. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. Amen. When all I see is the mountain, you see a mountain move. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. I'll sing it out. Here we go. So when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hand lifted high. Oh, God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh, God, the battle belongs to you. And if you are for me, who can be against me? There's no one. For Jesus, there's nothing impossible.
and he is more than enough. You know, we were trying to pick some songs this morning that had a, a battle theme to it in honor of our service members and veterans. And, and I was thinking about Jaira. I thought, man, that's doesn't have a real specific battle theme, but then I had pictures of soldiers being out in the alone on the battlefield and what they might be thinking feeling lonely and you know do I have what it takes to be here and and Lord when I think about being Jaira you have everything that we need you are our strength you are our hope and our deliverer that's what we're going to do this morning. He is Jireh. He is more than enough. Don't want to forget how I've been right now. Wasn't holding you up. So there's nothing I can do to let you down. It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. I've never been more loved than I am right now. Going through a storm, but I won't go down. I hear your voice carried in the rhythm of the wind to call. So I wouldn't drown You've never been closer than you are
introduce a new song. It's called What He's Done. I thought it'd be very appropriate after the Easter season to sing about what He's done. To remember all the goodness. Easter is not just a one-month thing on our calendar. It's a year-round. And we need to remember the goodness of what He's done. Amen. For the freedom he has won, even death. 
Your mercy is new every morning. 
church, thank him. Thank you, God. Your throne is forever. And thank you, God. Oh, it's all I can say. Oh, thank you, God. Your mercy is new every morning. Thank you, God. You're worthy, Lord. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget. able to do that because he's a way maker he makes a way there seems to be no way he opens doors that no man can open he shuts doors that no man can close but when we get to that point in our life where man we keep pounding the wall and we man, we're trying to break through and we just cry out to Jesus for he is our way maker
your work. Never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, Just the voices.
children and you go before us and scatter the schemes of the enemy but you call us to call out to you and you will defeat our enemies you've given us tools and weapons that the world does not understand but you understand and we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of us we give you praise and we give you glory in Jesus mighty name and God's people said amen amen go ahead and have a seat uh, children can be dismissed. So good. Spirit of the Lord is so good. Hallelujah. Praise God. He is a good, good father. Thank you, Elijah. All right. Fantastic. Okay, I think, um, we ready for FFM News? Ministries. Before we continue with today's service, let's get right to this week's segment of FFM News. For our first announcement, due to Memorial Day weekend, there will be no Sunday night activities tonight. Enjoy the evening off. This upcoming Monday, the church offices will be closed due to Memorial Day. If you need to contact us, please come on Tuesday morning and the church offices will be open. But also, we would like to invite you to the annual Memorial Day Parade happening here downtown Centerville Monday morning. There is Church League softball happening this upcoming Tuesday, May 30th at 6 o'clock and 8 o'clock. Team 1 will be playing at 6, Team 2 will be playing at 8. Also happening this upcoming Tuesday night is Fitness Warriors here at the church at 6.30. For those of you who don't know, we have a drug addiction recovery program here at the church every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. They will be meeting this week. We encourage you to go to this recovery program. If you are interested in going deeper in the Word of God and studying more, we encourage you to check out our adult Sunday school class every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. upstairs in the conference room. If you want more information about this Sunday school class, contact Kevin Gasho or Aaron Hartong. They have the doors wide open, inviting you to come and study with them every Sunday morning. This next announcement is for all of our visitors. If you're visiting FFN for the first time today, we would like to welcome you. Thank you so much for joining us. But also, we would like to get to know you. Right after service today, if you head out to the foyer out near the ladies' restroom, we have a visitor center called FFM Connect just for you. Here at FFM Connect, there will be people ready to greet you, give you something for free because you're checking out the church, and give you all the information you need to know more about our church, how we want to impact this community, and also ways you can get involved. Thank you so much for joining us today for worship. And for our last announcement, Volunteer of the Week. This week's Volunteer of the Week is 
Jerry Troyer. Why don't you guys go ahead and give Jerry a hand? For those of you who don't know, Jerry has done many things all throughout the years here at FFM, but this week we would like to highlight the fact that he is one of the new volunteers who cuts the grass here at FFM. Jerry, thank you so much for all that you do here at FFM. Come and see me and I'll give you a gift card to get a free drink at the Cross Culture Cafe. Well, church family, that's all we have for this week's segment of FFM News. Thanks for watching and enjoy the rest of today's service. Good job. Good job. Always enjoy those FFM news. Uh, Memorial Day weekend is always a good time to recognize uh, those that have been in the service, our veterans and those that are active duty. Uh, if you would, if you're a part of that group, could you stand so we could recognize you? Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Nick? I'm going to ask Nick Booker to come up here. He's, he's back uh, for a little bit. We're going to have him share. Nick, share a little bit of what you've been up to. and, and uh, you, can, you can introduce him. Okay. Good morning, church. So I see a lot of new faces, so I'm going to introduce myself today. My name's Nick. I'm 20. So I'm 20 years old. I'm in the, the Navy, active duty. Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, August 10th last year, I left for deployment to the Mediterranean for eight and a half months, and it was hard. Um, I'm on the uh, carrier, USS George H.W. Bush, strike group six or t 10, same thing. Um, during those eight and a half months, we visited Suda Bay, Greece, visited that country twice. We visited Croatia, uh, Athens, Greece, uh, Naples, Italy, and France. So I got to see Rome, Vatican City, the Colosseum. It was pretty cool. So uh, yeah, it's pretty hard. We actually got extended on deployment because of uh, what happened in Syria. I guess we were on our way back home. We went through the Strait of Messina underneath the boot of Italy, and we were coming home. And then Syria decided to bomb our uh, troops in uh, some other country. So they uh, ordered us to turn around, and we went and protected the country, so. And you have a video that you wanted to show? Okay, let's show this video.
Was that Tom Cruise? Uh, was that Top Gun being done or something? So uh, I don't remember what date, but Tom Cruise came to the boat with Paramount, and they did a movie shooting for the, not this coming Mission Impossible, but for the next Mission Impossible. So there's a chance I might be in the movie. Pretty cool. Uh, so I leave Sunday morning, I have a 12-hour drive back down to Norfolk, and then we leave for two weeks, and then we come back, uh, we go to the yards, they fix our boat, and then we go back out on deployment in 2026, so I got three years. Very good. Well, thank you very much for your service, we appreciate it. All right. Well, if you got your Bibles, turn to Psalm 37, as we're going to be talking about the vindication of God. That's the message that God's given me, and uh, we're going to get right into it. It's either the vindication of God or God's revenge. <laughs> I settled for the more spiritual version of it, the vindication of God. We're going to start off uh, uh, Psalm 37 uh, at verse 1. All right, you ready? Here we go. Amen. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord and trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in this way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while... And the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for this place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes his teeth at him, with his, uh, gnashes at him with his teeth, and the Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of the word. We pray, God, that it would land on fertile soil today and that your word would come to life. And we just rejoice in that, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you know what? Uh, you can look at the state of the world we're in right now, and you could say that it's pretty messy. It's quite a mess out there. Uh, wicked lawlessness is abounding, it seems like, and destroying every fabric of society. You're watching the news, and it gets really depressing. You, get, you can get all worked up about it. And uh, Jesus told us that in this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, he's overcome the world, but we do see that trouble, don't we? Uh, today, uh, we're going to look at what the Bible says about what our reaction should be to all this trouble and what his response is going to be about that and his vindication. David wrote Psalms 37 in his older years. So David, is uh, a, a, he was a warrior and a fighter. And, and so later on in his life, He's writing these, these psalms. And David made a lot of enemies. I mean, if you, don't, you don't become a warrior and a fighter and, and not have enemies. And, 
at least the ones that he hadn't destroyed yet. Uh, and so there was lots of people that are out to get him. But he was called out as a man after God's own heart. And he was a great king. And he wanted to pass on his knowledge, uh, his experiences to people. And that's part of the reason he wrote Psalms. If you look through Psalms, you'll see uh, Psalms saying a lot about the wicked and the evil. And God, when are you going to vindicate me? That was something that he seen a lot of. In uh, verse 1, it says, do not fret because of evildoers. Now, the words do not fret literally mean do not get heated, or we might say, don't get all worked up over it. That's literally what it means. There's been many times that I've found myself fretting. How about you? Anybody here uh, get fretting? Well, David had plenty of evildoers in his day. There was no doubt. What we see today... It seems like uh, Franklin Graham described it well. He says, I, I feel like all, all hell is broken loose, that the, all the demons of hell have been unleashed on the planet. Have you been there? How about you? Do you ruminate or play over these things in your mind uh, like, a, like a movie? Over and over in your head? Do you, do you take the burdens upon yourself and you feel like, man, this, this world is all dependent upon me. I, I got to change it. I got to do something. It's a little bit out of our control. Do you get worked up over the issues of the day? It's easy to do. Uh, we, look, we look through the daily news through a biblical worldview. So we look at it. We know who wins in the end, don't we? We know who wins in the end, but the trouble that we're seeing is like, uh, when's one of the Avengers going to come and, and rescue us from this situation? When, when, when is the Hulk going to break something today, you know? When's God going to break loose? When is he going to step forward his, his foot on the earth and say, enough is enough? You know, that's what we're waiting for. Well, today we're going to hear a little bit about how God has moved in the past and how he's moving today and what he has to say about it. I had a, a brother, a fellow brother, was, he was, found himself being angry. He didn't understand why, and he come and talked to me. I said, I found the trigger. He said, it was the daily news. He got himself all worked up over the daily news, and he found himself reacting to his friends and family around him. It's easy to do. Verse 3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. You know, there's going to be people in your life who are going to mistreat you. Who will persecute you. And he'll, they'll tell lies about you. To damage your reputation. Satan loves to slander God's people. You know that? And he attacks God's people. God uses it for good. And challenges us. To trust it with him. We want, to, we want to fight back and retaliate when somebody says something bad against us, don't we? That's just a natural reaction, especially for us guys, because us guys are meant to defend our family. We are designed to be defenders of our wife and our children. And when something is said, we want to take revenge. We want to deal with it right then. But Satan is such a loser. You know, he puts thoughts in our mind. He entices us to sin, and then he beats us up about it after we, we actually do it. 
and said, you, saw, you call yourself a Christian. Christians don't act like that. The accuser of the brethren is work day in and day out. And just remember, just remember, therefore there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. You see, the difference between what Satan does and what the Holy Spirit does is Satan will condemn you and, and Jesus or the Holy Spirit will convict you. So if you've asked for forgiveness for a sin that you've committed and it comes back the next day and the next day into your mind and you say, oh, you, you shouldn't do that. You're a Christian. I can't believe you did that. If you've asked for forgiveness, there's only one thing that God can't do. He can't remember confess sin. He says, as far as east is from the west, so far as you removed our transgressions from him, from us. And so we have to uh, remember that the Holy Spirit will bring conviction if there's something fresh, brand new. But if it's old and it's been covered, you know that it's, the, it's Satan at work, the accuser of the brethren. And you just have to say, get away from me, Satan. I won't receive that thought in the name of Jesus. And it will leave. It will flee. You might have to do that a couple of times. But just remember where that's coming from. Now, the Hebrew definition of trust is to lean on someone or something. So verse 3 would basically say, lean on the Lord and do good. In Matthew 5, 43 through 44, it says, You have heard it said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies... Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That's a tough, that's tough, isn't it? I had a guy at work one time that was, uh, he was kind of an artist, and he would make little cartoons uh, on papers and post them around the shop, and, and he was mocking people, and uh, he would make fun of, fun of people, and people didn't like it, and uh, I was trying to get a machine ready as an engineer. I had gone to him and said, hey, I need some help. Uh, let's get this thing ready. And he looked at me and says, as far as I remember, you're not my boss. Basically, I don't have to, I don't have to listen to you. And I'm thinking, his boss and me, we work well together. So it didn't make much sense. He was very uh, irritating a lot of people. And he got under my nerves, and I finally said, I've had enough. So... Here's what I did. On a Saturday when nobody was around, I went down to the shop floor. I went up to his bench. I found his marker, and I anointed it with oil. <laughs> and I began to pray for him that God would get a hold of this man, and he would start using him for good, that God would get a hold of his family, and that he would save his family, and I said, Lord, if he doesn't get on board, then move him on. And you know what? I felt a peace about that. I was putting that on the Lord. I wasn't going to wrestle with this any longer. I had done what I felt I needed to do. Within two weeks, he was transferred to a different department. <laughs> Within one month, he left the company. Five years later, I saw him at Walmart. And... And he, you know how some, sometimes people avoid you? He ran up to me, shook my hand, and was so glad to see me. And he was so glad to tell me that him and his wife and his children are going to church and that they had gotten saved. 
I felt vindicated that day when that happened. The Hebrew for commit is literally roll as though getting rid of a burden, but it comes to be used simply as a synonym for entrust or trust. As we've ministered to many people over the years in our prayer ministry, we've seen people get set free from a lot of garbage from their past. And, and the common theme, the common thing we hear is, I feel so much lighter. I didn't realize I was carrying all that burden. And I feel so much lighter. I didn't know I was carrying that for years. It's almost like they were weighed over with the burdens of life, and now they were free. And that's what we have to do. We have to literally roll off our shoulders and onto the Lord. I mean, the Bible says that all the government is upon the shoulders of the Lord, isn't it? I think he can handle it. I think he can handle it. Vindicate. In uh, verse 6, it says, He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice or vindication as the noonday. So vindicate means to clear someone of blame or suspicion or show or prove to be right, reasonable, or justified. So we want to, uh, we like to be right. Uh, if, if we're doing things that are right and, and somebody's blaming us uh, as a false accusation, it doesn't set well with us, does it? But sometimes we're powerless to be able to change that. But you have a God, <laughs> you have a God that's on your side, and you need not worry about that. You do the right things, and he'll do the right things behind you. God will vindicate you. If you submit yourself to him and allow him to fight for you, if you trust him, and it, when you trust him, it empowers the, the Lord. It doesn't always happen on our timing, but it will happen. It might take to get to glory before you find out. But it will happen. God expects us to pray and ask for him to intervene. The vindication might be in secret. But it might be out in the open just like the noonday sun for everyone to see. You can't make that happen. That's something that only God can do. Recently, as I was preparing this message, I, I had this message uh, uh, earlier this month. And all of a sudden, the, the, the Durham report came out and said that Trump was vindicated. It was a vindication. After seven years, they found that uh, what they were saying about him and Russia wasn't true, that it was all made up, that it was bought and paid for by Hillary Clinton, and, and that it was a story that was made up. The only collusion that was actually taking place was by Hillary with Russia. He knew it immediately when they were talking about this, and they were, he was just scratching his head saying, what, what are they talking about? We, we never did that, but it took seven years for this to come back out. And I thought it was just really interesting about the timing of this announcement as I was working on vindication. I, and maybe it's just like, maybe, maybe it's kind of like buying a car, you know? You, you buy a Ford Focus, and, and all of a sudden you see Ford Focuses all over the place. So I'm, pray, I'm working on a message on vindication, and suddenly I see the headline news. We haven't seen the end of that. You watch. God is in the uh, restoring business, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I want to share three stories of the Bible about vindication. The first one is Daniel. <clears throat> Daniel was a righteous man. 
And he, they couldn't find anything wrong with what he was doing. He worked hard at his, his job, his government, and uh, the other uh, governors were, were jealous of him. They were jealous of the work that he did, and so they came up with some kind of a, a, a plan, a wicked scheme. Said, the only way we're going to be able to get him in trouble is if we do something with his religion, with his faith. And so they set up this plan to go to the king and say, oh, king, they flattered him. Said, if you would set up a law uh, that nobody can worship any god or gods other than you, oh, king, for 30 days, uh, and if they do, they'll be thrown into the lion's den. Oh, you would be worth it. Well, let's just do it. Let's just worship you, oh, king. And so he signed the law. He agreed to it. And what did Daniel do? He thought it was a strange law. He, he, he prayed three days. A, 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 he prayed three times a day. What did he do? He saw the law. He went home. And he prayed like he always does. Because he was more interested in obeying God than he was man in this particular instance. And those governors, they reported this to the king, and the king was like, oh my, I didn't think about this. I like Daniel. But it was the law of the Persians and the Medes. They, it couldn't be, couldn't be changed. So the king had to do what he said. They were going to throw him into the lion's den. These governors thought they really finally got it, because nobody survives the lion's den. So the king regretfully was going to throw him in. But he said, he had more faith. He said, Daniel, the God whom you serve shall preserve your life. This was a heathen king that could see that. Because of his faith, because of how he lived and what he trusted in, he knew that God was going to spare Daniel. And so they threw him into the lion's den, put a big stone over it, sealed it with all these rings, these wax and rings, and, and uh, the king couldn't sleep that night. I imagine the sound of the lions that normally are roaring through the evening was not there. It was probably quite quiet. The governors thought they finally got it. That morning, early in the morning, the king went to the, the, this big den and yelled down, Daniel, has your God saved you? And he says in Daniel 6.22, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. So he was lifted out, but it doesn't stop there. The king ordered that those men that falsely accused Daniel and, and trapped him into, into doing this to one of his best people were thrown into the lion's den along with their, their children and their wives, and they were killed. Their bones were crushed before they even hit the ground. Daniel was vindicated by God. Isn't it interesting that the very wicked plan that they used to attack a righteous man came back on their heads and destroyed them? God used that vehicle, that plan, to destroy them. Not only them, but their children and their wives. That's pretty ruthless. Be careful when you're planning schemes, wicked schemes against a righteous man. We also hear about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That uh, the king Nebuchadnezzar set up a golden idol. 
and everyone was supposed to bow before this golden idol. And uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow. They only bow before God. So the king had the furnace uh, heated up seven times. They knew that they were going to be thrown into the, a fiery furnace, but they had this thing heated up seven times to the point where they grabbed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with some of their strongest men of valor, and they threw them in, bound up, they threw them into this fiery furnace. It was so hot that these, these men of valor died. And they instantly got up and were walking around, and the king seen not only three guys walking around inside this fiery furnace, but they saw a fourth person that looked like the Son of Man. There was, God was stepping in and protecting them because they had made a statement. We will not bow before this idol. Our God, who we serve, will deliver us. Even if he does, you should know that. We will not bow. Nebuchadnezzar called them out. They came out of the fiery furnace. The only thing that was burned up was their bondages, the thing that kept them free, kept them bound up. They were free. God's fire had set them free. They didn't smell like smoke. They didn't have their eyelashes singed. Nothing. There was no, no active smell of, of anything that took place. Nebuchadnezzar spoke highly of their God after this. He'd never seen anything like this before. And so God had moved supernaturally and they were vindicated by God on that day. And David, David, I want to share a little bit more about David. He was anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the next king. Of course, he had gone in and, and defeated Goliath. And uh, Saul gave him one of his, his daughters uh, to be married to. And so Saul, King Saul, actually became his father-in-law. And uh, David went out, and he, he uh, won many battles. He, he defeated the enemies. He was, he was a man that was, uh, he was just a shepherd, but he was a warrior. He was a man after God's own heart. And so they were singing a song, uh, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. And it got King Saul kind of jealous. And he became angry. And he tried to kill David. He tried to throw a spear at him and kill him. He was mad at him. He started chasing him. Some of the most difficult times we can face are within our own family. You ever have that happen? You know, you can choose your friends, but your families are with you for life. Or you can't choose your family. So in, in 1 Samuel 24, David was hiding, and he had uh, 400 men with him, and they were going around from stronghold to stronghold, and they were hidden in the caves. And one of the times they were in the caves, uh, the king Saul came after him and was uh, uh, doing, taking care of some business in the cave. And David cut the king's robe. He was that close. He cut the king's robe instead of killing him when he had the chance and he told Saul, May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hands will not touch you. See, David understood that Saul was the man for the hour at that time. 
And so he wouldn't lift up his hand against the people. He was his father-in-law as well. I mean, how would his wife feel about that? So Saul found out, because David said, I haven't done this. Take a look at your robe. I, I had the chance to kill you, and I didn't do it. Saul says, you are more righteous than I, he said, and you, treat, you have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good you did to me, and the Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you, and you well, for the way you treated me today. David was vindicated. Now, that doesn't mean that Saul stopped coming after him. He had another chance, and, uh, and, and David still did not kill him. In the early days of Firm Foundation Ministries, about seven years in, there began a struggle, six, seven years. And it was uh, difficult times. We were decreasing in size. Uh, there was some things that had to happen, some changes that needed to take place. And we didn't know what needed to happen. Um, there was, a, on February 14, 2003, I remember it well, it was Valentine's Day. I had a call, uh, and I, was, uh, I got very frustrated, angry, and didn't know what to deal with, how to deal with it. I went up to my room, I screamed into my pillow, talking to God. You know, you can scream, at, you scream to God. He, he hears you the same as if you were whispering, but I wanted to scream. And I, I told him, this is your church. You need to deal with it. These are your people. You need to deal with this thing. I don't know what. We were obedient. We helped start it. And it's falling apart. You got to do something about that. And I felt better. <laughs> I felt better. Because, you know, when you start something, you want to see it prosper. And when it starts going the other way, it's like, what are we doing? I mean, uh, Nancy and I were working with the youth at the time, and we say, Where, where'd this youth go? Oh, their parents left the church. Well, where'd this youth? Well, they left the church. So we were finding out, we were finding ourselves going and visiting all these different uh, past, uh, these people, their families, and finding out what's going on. So anyway, less than a year later, God brought us Don and Lisa Smith. There was a transition in leadership. We, we couldn't see it. We would never have dreamed that somebody, uh, some hillbillies from Florida would come all the way up, <laughs> rednecks, come up here into Michigan and preach for the next 18 years. You know, God, um, God and his, and it was all God. He set that all up. We couldn't see it. Uh, God kept telling me, I got, I got help coming just around the bend. I went back and looked at all these words from 2003. I was reading them to Nancy this morning. Uh, and I'm thinking, he says, you're getting all worked up. You're, you're not helping the cause any. You're, you're fretting over this. I've got it. And, and, and it's just around the bend. It's like, well, how big is that bend? <laughs> When's this going to happen? But God had a plan. And you know what? It's been an awesome plan to see. And God, we changed, we changed key, uh, a key couple. And all of a sudden, the church prospered. So there was a time... Uh, there was uh, burnout that was happening. There was just some, some things that needed to take place. And uh, we honored Pastor Jay and Andrea before, during, and after the transition. Most of you have no idea about any of that because that wasn't something we were talking about. 
Our goal is to honor them. And Don's done a good job of continuing to honor them. And you know what's really neat is that uh, Toby Schwartz was a part of this church. He started, uh, was, him and his family were a part of the initial startup. He started a church down at uh, Indiana called uh, Firm, uh, Foundation Firm, found, uh, Foundation Community Church, yeah, FCC. Jay and Andrea attend that church. And so they get to be still committed to that. So that's awesome. So we've done what we can. We've honored, and, and, we were, and God vindicated us for that. We were getting burned out. We had to take a break as well. But uh, you know what? God is uh, he's an awesome God if we allow him time. Sometimes we just get in the way. And, uh, you know, the Lord spoke to me back then and said, you're just complaining, and, and that's not working out very good with us. Between me and you, you need to knock it off, kind of. I don't have time to talk about Noah and Moses and Mordecai, who are all vindicated by God. I will say of Mordecai and Esther, if you haven't read Esther, you need to get in there and read it, because that's one of the best vindications uh, uh, stories that you can read. Haman was after Mordecai because Mordecai wouldn't bow. There is a common theme there. And uh, he set up a gallows. Haman set up a gallows for Mordecai, but God chose the king to honor Mordecai, and Haman got hung on his own gallows. Not only that, but his ten sons got hung on gallows. So, you know, if you're messing with somebody that is uh, appointed by God or blessed by God, you better watch out because it might turn back on your own hand, heads. Again, the, the very wicked scheme that was set up to destroy Haman or to destroy Mordecai and his family, his, his, uh, all the Jewish people at that time, turned back on him and they were destroyed by it. I believe we're going to see that happening in our day. You watch. The end of the story has not been written yet. There was a story of a... Uh, man that, that uh, when I was first uh, working at Broke Tool as a young man, as a young engineer, I had uh, made a mistake. I had released the wrong print, and uh, 200 mandrel rods were made, and they were shipped to the customer and then shipped back, and the guy that had made them was disgusted with me because they were the wrong, the wrong thing. So he put them up on a shelf for everybody to see and said, it wrote on it, Doug Schwartz's mistake. Anybody that walked into that department could see Doug Schwartz and thinking, boy, he must be a bad engineer. And I went and I served that guy. I tried to do everything I could. I, I apologized. I mean, I didn't, we didn't have a lot of training back then. And so I, I served him. I did my best to, to live a Christ-like example. Five years after that, he was going to leave the company I didn't pray for him to leave that time, but <laughs> he was going to leave, and he came up to me and shook my hand in my office and said, uh, you're a good man, Doug, and w the way I treated you, you didn't deserve that. And so I felt vindicated by that. I mean, we all make mistakes. How we handle those mistakes is a different story, isn't it? In R Romans 12, 19, it says, Beloved do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. God is the ultimate avenger. 
He could do a much better job than anything we could ever do. Even whatever we would dream of doing. His, his resources are so much greater and he is so much more in control. I had another story of a man in an influential position of authority at work. Uh, he was a believer. But he was making up stories to make me and engineering look bad. I couldn't figure out why other leaders were looking at me in a negative way. But over time, it became evident where it was coming from. I had confronted him on more than one occasion. And uh, one of the last times, he had said, well, uh, I'm a Christian, and so I can't show favoritism towards other Christians because uh, other people that are not Christians would think I'm showing favoritism. So he almost went the other extreme and started showing dishonor. I, we had a situation happen, and it was confronted. I finally got a boss that actually wanted to hold people accountable and protect his team, so he had a meeting, and we, we uh, ended up confronting him. It turned out that uh, he, was, he was making things up. So I finally had enough, and I said, God, I, I need to pray for this situation. And so I felt God give me a, a, a verse, and I took, took a picture. I, I put it on my desk. There's a picture of it on my desk. It's Psalms 109.8, and it says, May his days be few. May another take his place of leadership. <laughs> now, I wasn't looking for him to be gone, die, or anything like that. But I was saying... This man is abusing his responsibility. He's one of your children. You need to remove him from this place of leadership and give it to somebody else. I felt that in my spirit. Now, I've never taken a verse and just prayed over it. I, I showed this to David Campbell one time. He goes, well, that's kind of a strange thing to do. <laughs> and I prayed over that for two weeks. Every day it's on my, on my table, on my desk, right in the center between my two computers, my screens. And we went on vacation, I took it up north, and I, I, of course, by that time I had it memorized, but I prayed around the campfire that even while I was on vacation, at the end of that two weeks, we were just getting back from vacation up north, I came into work that Monday morning, and they said, this person has been removed from his position of leadership, and they don't know if he's going to have a job. I thought, wow, that's incredible. You're amazing, God. They gave him a position, and uh, it wasn't a position of leadership, but they, they gave a reason. They said he was demoted because, and this is the reason they gave, he was in the wrong place of function, had a bad attitude, and created division. I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty, pretty accurate. I think within six months, he left the company. And suddenly, my problems went away. I started working with uh, leaders in the company and in influential positions and was invited to be a part of a company leadership training team. I found that a lot of the things... Uh, they found a lot of things that were being said about me wasn't true. And they invited me to come in and speak. 
And I was able to speak to many leaders within the company on this team. Even this week, I led some training, leadership training for some new engineers. And you know what? I feel validated and avenged by God. David struggled with this. He says in Psalms 26, 1, Vindicate me, O God, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted in the Lord, and I shall not slip. It's important that we keep our words soft because one day we might have to eat them. And I learned that the hard way. And I apologized to this non-believer at work one day when I, I, I said something, I called him something that was... It was a dumb, dumb name, and, and I went back and apologized to him. That's always a hard process to go back and apologize, but you've got to live with peace with, with the Lord. And he said, oh, that's okay. I've been called worse. So it's important for us to walk in integrity and trust the Lord, just like David. David had written a lot of the Psalms saying, vindicate me because I am trying to do what's right. I know a lot of you have done what's right in, in your place of work or at school or at home. And it's important that you live that with integrity. You need to be able to live so that they, the only way they can find anything wrong with you is to point out something about your faith. We have an upside down world right now that's out of control. I mean, we got... We got people that are trying to uh, uh, attack kids and, and trying to force them to have surgeries to go from a man to or a boy to a girl and a girl to a boy and destroying their lives. This is out of control. We have a lot of things that are upside down. And, and it seems like God's not doing anything about it. But we can count on this. We can count on this. We have a God that has everything in control and he's using this to set them up. It's a setup. How long is this going to take? We don't know. We don't know how long this is going to take. There's been attempts to overthrow our government. There's been depopulation plans, wicked schemes that are happening. And I can tell you this, the truth will be found. It will be found out. And God will vindicate. If you're at home... And you have lies being told about you from other people, uh, could be spouses even. You can count on this. You live in integrity, and God will deal with them. He will deal with it. There's a word given me. I want to share some words that God's given to me. There's, it started in 1999 where God began to speak to me on occasion. Not all the time, but when he would speak to me, I would write it down, and then I would have to type it up real quick because I couldn't read my writing very good. It was still fresh in my mind. I had to get it written down. And so there's different times that God spoke to me. And in 19, or 2003, 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago, God said, I am doing a new thing across this land. Things and circumstances and people are all getting in position for the greatest awakening ever known to man. I walk with man and I brought salvation, but not like what I'm preparing today. That was almost 20 years ago. Do you think I've had some conversations with the Lord saying, when are you, you, know, you going to do this great awakening? What do we hear about all the time now? We hear the awoke. Oh, they're awake. There's an awakening. There's an awakening. Well, they're awakening to the evil that's all about us. But there's greater awakening coming. Yeah, it's coming. It's happening. 
There was word given to me on June 21st, 2022. That was uh, almost a year ago. And part, I'm going uh, to highlight a few of the things that, I, that stood out to me, but I'm going to read the whole thing. And it said, do not fear for what I am, going, I am doing upon America and the world. It is like a sore that must be lanced to remove infection. It is a part of the healing process. I love mankind. I was disgusted in Noah's day at the wickedness and evil around him. And I said I would not destroy the earth by flood again. My rainbow hangs in the sky as a reminder to me. But I cannot remain quiet by what I see upon the planet. Such wickedness, such depravity, such vile and evil, murderous people must be addressed. I want all those to come to me, but I know they will not. Some will be like Judas was to me. I loved him, but yet he betrayed me. He allowed Satan to overtake him, and he received his just reward. There are many who do not know me, and I am raising up millions of bold warriors to proclaim my goodness. There will be not only a revival, but a reformation in your day. I have longed for these days, and Satan knows it. He is trying to prevent it from happening, but he cannot. Every effort he makes is like one struggling in quicksand. It only takes him further down under. He will only go so far. All his wicked schemes are coming to the surface, and people are awakening to them. They are starting to see that the love of money is destroying their lives. I will not be mocked. I will accomplish what I have set out to do for many decades. God is speaking. He spoke to me in August of last year. August 31st, day after my birth. This is my birthday gift of last year. He said, justice is coming. You need not worry or fret over this statement. Only trust me. I have seen the men, uh, hearts of men grow wickedly cold, and I am not pleased. I have not been impressed with those who consider themselves wise in their own eyes. I am exposing it all. There will be a day of reckoning coming. You need not worry about this. I have my hand upon the remnant. Oh, how I love my remnant. A group of believers who have persevered through hard times. A group of people who have pressed into me and trusted me when others have given up and turned to the world for their advice and counsel. This group I have, I have unleashed my spirit upon my church. This group I have been proud of, and I will use her as my hands and feet to proclaim freedom to the captives. I have unleashed my spirit upon my church in increasing measure. The world will not understand this talk, but they will see my church in action and see the countenance on their faces. They will know that my peace reigns. I have a way that seems difficult to those who do not know me, but to my church, my remnant, my people who know my voice. It's just a way of living. Stand back as I blow upon the land. I will bring down the vile and the cowardly. I will expose and reveal the wicked secrets of men. I will not be mocked. Do they think that, they do not, that I do not see what they are doing in secret? I know everything. It saddens me to see them lie, cheat, steal, and kill. This is why I cleansed the earth in Noah's day. My fire will purify, it will empower, and it will destroy. Behold, I am coming soon. 
continue to prepare and tell my church to hang on a little longer. Hang on a little longer. I have heard your prayer and cries for judgment and to correct the injustices upon the planet. I am doing much that you cannot see. Don't worry, for I will be with you all. I have blessed you all. Thank you for trusting me. There is about to be the greatest shaking you have ever witnessed. You think the storms of last year were strong? You haven't seen anything yet. What I have been doing in the natural, I am doing in the spiritual. I am raising up bold men and women to encourage my people all over to prepare for the spiritual war that we are in. I need my commanders in my army to stand firm. I need my warriors in my army to be brave and fight with me on their knees. I need my worshipers to lead my people into battle. There is so much that will happen in the near future. Keep pressing into me and I will reveal more. There's about to be a revolution like you have never witnessed. And God gave me a fresh word just last, just a few weeks ago. And I want to share it with you. I haven't shared it with uh, many people. I asked the Lord, is there anything you want to say to your people? That's usually what I try to say. And he responded. He said, trust me. Just like you would trust your parents as a little child, so you must trust me. I know the plans that I have for you, but not only for you, but for the world. The world is convulsing right now. There is a battle for the souls of the world. Satan has unleashed his power upon it and is pushing me to act. But he will not win. He is already a defeated foe. He will not gain control of my plans. I will use him to bring my plans to existence. The human desire for pleasure is a hard thing to break people away from, especially the pleasure of sin. There are many pleasures that my adversary has put in front of humankind to cause them to stumble. But when men and women find pleasure in serving me, then they will find purpose and joy that is everlasting. They will find peace that cannot be taken away. My peace is so powerful and real, it is tangible. But Satan's peace only comes with a price. Like Pinocchio on Pleasure Island, there is a huge price tag, but I paid the price so that they can live. Please tell them that I love them. I see what burdens that they carry. I am at work even though they may not see it, and at the right time will release my judgment upon the planet. Like when those red ants bit you all at once, so my judgment upon the wicked will be released all at once. They won't be able to avoid it because it will happen all in a single day. I uh, was playing baseball down in, uh, for Glen Oaks, and we went all the way down to Alabama, and I, I was, we were warming up. It was a hot day, and we were warming out, and out, out in the outfield, and, and I took my shirt off, and I was just laying out there, and it felt like I was in, laying in a bunch of grass clippings and stuff like that, and all of a sudden, I got bit all over at one time, like this, and I looked, and I was covered with red ants, and they just bit me all over, and I was laying right in the middle of a red ant uh, hill, and, and, and it was really horrible. I had little zits and pimples all over my body just from all those bites. But it happened all at once. I don't know how they communicate, but I felt that's what God was saying. It's going to happen like that. You're going to see it. It will be swift, and people will take notice. They will say, how could this happen to so many all at one time other than God? 
There will be an awesome awe of my hand once again. The days that follow will be with a hush, but then the rejoicing will begin. Let the righteous rejoice. Let the wayward return. Let the hungry come to FFM's doors seeking me. There will be some surprising events happening on the world stage. You will even see some cosmic events in the heavenlies. These are all my signs of things to come. I am coming soon. Don't give up. Tell them not to give up. Don't give up. I hear their prayers and I love them. These are the words that the Lord gave me for you. Uh, God is speaking. Isn't that amazing? God is speaking. And we have a God that is on our side. Jesus says at the right hand of the Father, interceded on our behalf. It might look like nothing is happening, but all of a sudden you might see the answer to your prayers walk in in, in January of 2014 as a young uh, whippersnapper, Don Smith and Lisa Smith, come in through those doors. And we don't know. We don't know what, how God is going to answer but God is going to act. We're not off the hook by any means. We must do our part, and we need to pray. In 1 Timothy 2, 1, it says, uh, through 2, it's, it's calling us to pray for kings and those who are in authority. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. God has us. He's got it under control. Today is Pentecost Sunday. I'll just have you guys come up. Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem. In Acts 1.8 it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so they were waiting in the upper room. In Acts chapter 2 is when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the disciples. The sound of a rushing mighty wind filled the room from heaven. Tongues of fire came upon their heads, and they began to speak in tongues. And as they began to speak, not only in tongues, but they were speaking in other languages that many people in Jerusalem could hear. Matter of fact, in verse, four, uh, verse 11, it says, We hear them speaking in our own tongues the f wonderful works of God. The church expanded that day as Peter preached a message. They were cut to the heart. And 3,000 people were baptized that day. A sudden explosion. Great boldness was released to share the news. This is needed today. We need... Christians who are willing to be bold and courageous. We've had people that have stepped up into the political realm, into the school boards, into uh, government positions, teachers. We've, we've had them step into these roles to be bold and courageous. When I was first baptized and the Holy Spirit began to speak in tongues, I, we have an international company. We had some people from Japan that were uh, in the kitchen at the time, and I kind of walked walked by them and I thought, well, I'm going to see if I'm, going to see if I'm speaking in their language. So I, I kind of walked by and just quietly. And I was kind of waiting for them to say, but they didn't do that. So it was just 
just a tool that God gave me to encourage myself and, and to, to be used for other people. I can see myself preaching in front of a bunch of Africans, though. I've done that before uh, in my car. And, and all the Africans stood up and shouted something back at the same time. And I thought, this is really crazy. I don't know if that would ever happen. And now we're uh, considering going to Kenya to uh, plant, help uh, start up uh, schools and ministry over there. And you never know. I sense the Lord is saying that more of this type of growth is coming. Jesus is coming back to get his church in investing in stock markets. They always say, don't pull your money out when it's at the lowest. Wait, it'll go back up. Do you think Jesus would pull his church out when it's the lowest spiritually? I think he wants to create a revolution. He wants a lot of people to come to know him. In Luke 14, 23, it says, The master said, Then go to the country country roads. Whoever you find, drag them in here. I want my house full. That was the message version. There's a great awakening that's happening. A revival of the church is happening. And the call to loss to repentance is happening. Prayer always precedes great moves of God. We saw that happen in Kentucky with the Asbury Revival. It happened for two weeks. Over 50,000 to 70,000 people actually come to to visit that place just in two weeks. We had some people from firm actually go. People want to experience something that's real. They want to experience the, the tangible presence of God. The amazing thing is the people that visited there came back and said, that's the same thing that's happening right here every Sunday morning. So you don't have to go to some revival. The revival is taking place right here. And he's been preparing workers for the harvest. Like Edge Bible College, they had 36 graduates last week, last Sunday. Associate's degree in theology and biblical studies. They're learning how, about the Bible and how to minister like Noah, building an ark without rain, so as a church, we are preparing for a harvest. We're getting ready. Recently, we had 590 people show up at church. You know, we can't seat that many people. We weren't ready for that. And that caused us as elders to really stand back and, and reevaluate and say, how do we get ready? How do we get ready for that? And there's an urgency within our spirit saying, we got to do something about that. We're making room with the expansion project. And we're making plans to make room for more during our service. We'll talk more about that later. Two services probably are coming. We want to get ready for God to move that causes others to be cut to the heart. Is this one last call by Christ? What we're about to see is God's judgment being poured out. Just like God spoke to me 20 years ago, saying the same thing as he did recently, time seems to stand still for God, but not for us. What is 20 years to us may be a few seconds for God. When God says the revolution is coming, I sense we could see decades before we see his church go home. He needs us empowered by his spirit, just like he did at Pentecost. In closing, 
Jesus had the ultimate vindication. Jealous religious leaders had him put to death. Even when the worldly leadership couldn't find anything wrong with him. They conspired uh, by bribing Judas to betray him, had him arrested, had a trial at night, added false witnesses, worked up the crowd, and then bribed guards to say that the disciples stole his body away. But Jesus rose from the dead, and it will be, it will be on their own wicked deeds that, brought, that they thought they could get away with that sends them to hell for judgment eternal punishment and Jesus will be the one that they stand before on judgment day they can get away with that that sounds like the news <laughs> Psalms 37 I'm closing 37 5 through 6 in the NIV version it says commit your ways to the Lord trust in him and he will do this he will make your righteous rewards shine like the dawn your vindication like the noonday sun so let us commit or roll the burden off of us by trusting or leaning on the Lord so he can take it and clear your name and prove that you were right now why don't you stand to your feet if you are in a place right now where you feel attacked like David or having issues within relationships within your families and are asking God to vindicate you by dealing with those people, I want you to come up and somebody will pray for you. Or if you're feeling overwhelmed and angry about our current wicked, out-of-control world, I want you to come up and just lay that on the Lord. Roll it off your shoulders and onto the Lord. You need to transfer your trust onto the Lord to take care of this and protect you for your reputation. God is big enough. He can do it. You don't have to wrestle with it. When I finally surrendered these things that I wrestled with, I did my part, but I felt tremendous peace. I didn't have to take it. This wasn't my responsibility. God, this is your deal. You need to take care of this. And he did in, in, a, in a way that I would never have dreamed. So if you would respond during this song, come up here and we'll have some people praying for you. So thankful that he is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. I'm calling on the God of Jacob, whose love endures through generation. I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the God of Moses, the one who opened up the ocean. I need you now to do the same thing for me, for me, for me.
God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness. On your faithfulness. Calling on the God of Mary, whose favor rests upon the lowly. I know with you all things are possible. I'm calling on the God of David. Yes, hallelujah. Who made a shepherd boy courageous. I may not face Goliath, I've got my own giants, oh God, my God, I need you, oh God, my God, I need you now, how I need you now, oh rock, oh rock of ages, I'm
good, good God. Your peace is so tangible. Your resources are so available. And your creativity to create this planet, solar system, our bodies, everything inside is beyond human comprehension. We give you the circumstances of our nation and our world. We ask that you would have your way. Lord, that you would turn this around like a boomerang that goes out and comes back. I pray, Lord, for a reversal, a great reversal that would lead to revival, that would re lead to re revolution. We pray, Lord, for your work to be done and that you would cause each one of us to be obedient to your voice and what you call us to do. Lord, forgive us for fretting and worrying and getting anxious. We give it to you. We give you our situations with our spouse. We give you our situations with our workplace and, and schools and, and relationships. Lord, we give them to you. We lay them off. We roll them off our shoulders and onto you, Lord, for you can take care of this. And so, God, we thank you. We thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit that is more greater than anything we could ever experience. You sent dynamite inside of us, Lord, that we could be filled with power and knowledge and wisdom and the gifts of the Spirit. Let it be poured out today on Pentecost in Jesus' precious name. And God's people shouted, Amen. Amen. Go and make a difference. Trust in the Lord and do good. For this is His will concerning you. Amen. God bless you.